0: Welcome back to Building a Fighter. I am Alex Friedman. As always, with me is Austin Shane out in Scottsdale,
1: Arizona. Uh, how you doing today, big guy? Dude, I'm just living the dream. It's a uh, it's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. We're on a nice hike yesterday with some of the fighters. Hunter Azure's bachelor party. And outside of that, just chilling for the day. Solid, dude. Sounds very fun.
0: It's been, I don't know about you, but for me, it's been a long, hot summer, man. It's a uh, stamina, probably, in Arizona for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty hot. Um, but <laughs> As for always. the most
1: part, dude, last week was long. Yeah. I don't know why. I think I woke up three or four times thinking, Oh shit. Is it Friday? Nope. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. But gotta
0: get it done. But yeah, it seems to be crunch time right about now. Today, we wanted to talk about the process of training, the consistency factors and everything that's not really X and O's of your workouts but is sometimes more important than the X's and O's of your workout. Something like having the right training environment, having the right partners, having the right coach in your corner, having the right, you know, want to be at training versus, you know, having somebody that has all the technical things in line and has everything, but somewhere you hate going. Right. So, so what's that factor of, I want to go training. I like my training environment versus having all the X's and O's correct.
1: For sure. It comes down to, in my world is being systematic. Um, trying to do the small things, right. That's really what's going to make the biggest difference. And for me, like we, I say it all the time. I love this quote. If a good person meets a bad system, the system always wins. If the bad person meets a good system, the system always wins. If you can create a system in place, that's going to allow you to progress and try to focus on the little things and do all, like show up to practice, get the right coach in your corner, have these different checks and balances that's going to help you progress. I feel like that's the best way to continually evolve and evolve and evolve by having that system that you know is trending upwards.
0: Yeah. Well, I think more than that though, and something maybe part of that system is the, um, the environment, the camaraderie, the, the, atmosphere of training you know you somewhere you want to go and have fun you know you want to make your environment likable like as much as you know we're fighters and we're going to dig through the mud and we're going to train super fucking hard and not every day you're going to enjoy like i think it's still got to be somewhere you want to be at the end of the day somewhere that is fun and has an enjoyable atmosphere like just for me personally like if i'm dreading going to practice not even because of how hard practice is going to be, but just as far as it's somewhere I don't want to be in my life, I think that's going to do nothing but be a
1: detriment to your training for sure. And it, uh, one of the things that we focus on as SNC coaches is gamification. Make make the shitty things suck a little bit less, right? Mm. <laughs> that's that's what we want to try to do. And you know that wrestling practice is going to be a grind. Why not start mm-hmm. wrestling practice with spike ball? Or with some sort of game that's going to warm you up, or yeah. at the end, have like that's why, like, you remember when we were kids wrestling, we even did in college, like sharks and minnows and going out there and you or a bull in the ring and somebody's out there, you're doing a sport-specific skill, but you add a game environment to it, it's going to make it suck a little bit less, make it more tolerable and allow you to actually be engaged, which I think is probably the number one little thing you can do right is just be engaged when you're there. Yeah, 100%. There's a ton of little different things
0: you can do as far as gamification context. But I think one of the biggest misses for a lot of coaches is just explaining the context and the reasoning behind a drill a day um, live goes, et cetera, like ensuring that your athletes know there is a process and a plan intact. It's not just, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed, go fucking hard today, yeah. you know? So, um, and hopefully that's not the plan, but I think it's important to have good relationships. Good consistency comes from those relationships in training, you know? I think SC is, a, is too easy of an example as far as like it's somewhere that we know is important, but more or less somewhere we have to go. Um, but, the practice room, I think, is even more important that there's a a definite team atmosphere and a definite support structure that's not going to let you dog a day. That's not going to let you skip a day. That's not going to let you um, just go through the motions on months on end. And then you get to your fight or you get to some break in your life and you're like, man, I, I realize I just really don't like going
1: there. Dude, well, I, I get that all the time because nobody wants to go to rehab. Nobody, right. nobody wants to go do healthcare. You have to go do healthcare. Yeah. Like typically, you get people not in the, not in a great mood, feeling a little shitty, and you come in there, and you're you're probably either the hardest or the most boring part of their day. So I have to make it as exciting as possible. When somebody's there, I need to joke around with them. I need to make jokes at my own expense. I need to try to make anything gamified that I can, because that's going to make everything more tolerable because this is the work you got to do, right? You have to do those correctives. You have to do the body work. If you're a professional fighter, unfortunately you're not like a normal person. You have Mm -hmm. to go do these, like these X's and O's and do these different things that are going to allow you to progress forward. Mm -hmm. Um, But if, if I can make it a little bit, easier on you. If I can make it a little bit more fun where we're both smiling while you're doing something you have to do, typically A, you're going to have better results and B, you're going to come back more and more and more and realize that this is something that's going to help you.
0: Right. And that's where you have a ton of room for your, your own personality as a coach, where you have a ton of room for your own demeanor. Um, some of the best coaches in the games that I know not only, like we say, has said a million times, not only good on the X's and O's, they can't, they can do their fucking job. Right. That's not, but that's not what makes them different. What makes them different is great. What makes them different and great is their ability to deliver their product in a, or their service in such a way that the athlete enjoys it. Like, you know, if you can have, 30 30s scheduled in a program on the air bike, whatever is going to suck wind, or we have the Versa climber and you can do that with a smile on your face. And then your athletes can look forward to it as a challenge. You're doing something right as a coach. Like, I think that's where your presence and your, you know, aura, if we want to get all woo woo, like that's where your influence over the program holds so much value because people are going to gravitate towards personalities way before they gravitate towards X's and O's of a program, or they'll gravitate towards results. And your results are there for a reason. And it's probably not because you practice cage wrestling. Everybody practices cage wrestling. Everybody by now should be doing trap bar deadlifts. Everybody should be doing this. Everybody does that. But how you execute it and the atmosphere that you create as a coach has just so much influence on your results and many times more influence than the 12 deadlifts you do in a
1: session. For sure. There's a lot of good research based around like at their healthcare studies, but you get better results if you like your healthcare provider. That's been shown in multiple different studies, right? I, I assume nothing less or nothing would change if it's going to be strength conditioning. If it's going Bro. to be skill work, it's going to be anything. It doesn't make sense that that would change. And while there hasn't been studies to show it, it makes a lot of sense that that carries over. So if you make, if you connect with your athletes, if you start to like, I, I, told other coaches i've told my athletes the number one thing in warrior sports wellness when i'm working with you is that you trust me and i trust you i'll run through a wall for you if you run through a wall for me Mm -hmm. and that's how i handle every single athlete and if that athlete doesn't have trust in me then i'm fine telling them hey i'm not the right spot for you because that's just something that i need with my athletes that i know is going to help them Through the long run of our career together. If they're not able to do that, or if they're not at that point, well, then there's other coaches in the area that can, they can go do that with. But that trust, that general like likeness is going to propel our training forward and forward and forward. So I, and I also feel like that's something unfortunately that is undervalued with a lot of coaches because you get stuck in the X's and O's, you get stuck in the programming mm-hmm. and the fine-tuned details when in reality it's interpersonal skills. <laughs> that's that's going to be what gets people in your door.
0: Yeah. And I want to reiterate too like this doesn't mean that you just have to be buddy buddy with your athletes. You don't right. have to be their best friends. You don't have to be soft like um in the gym I train with right now Factory X. Like Mark Montoya is a very intense person, right? He's had a ton of success. He he has an outward appearance as kind of intimidating, scary, but like he has this rapport with his athletes where they respect him, they know he definitely has their best interests in mind, mm-hmm. and he runs his ship very um businesslike, very intense, very winning focused, but he still has this rapport and this presence among the team right? It's not like you have to be, you know, friends and this and that. And um, maybe uh, from the outside perspective, looking in, you don't have to be soft about it, but you have to have some type of brand, some type of personality to yourself that mm-hmm. elicits this relationship and you can consistently maintain over the years. Like, um, and I think that's where I'm almost at in my coach, career. I'm starting to find that niche with mixed martial arts where we can have a rapport and I can find where's the sweet spot, where's the groove that, we can hit with results and trust and, um, a valuable training paradigm, if you will. So I think that's super important to understand is like, it's not a got about just be about having fun. It's gotta be about dedication to the process, dedication to getting better and and a genuine understanding of like, all right, I know this is the best thing for me. I know Alex is the best coach in my corner. We're going there.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I have it. It comes down to talking about the interpersonal stuff. It comes down to I have a rule. It's the 2 a.m. rule. If yeah. I'm in jail at 2 a.m., is that person going to come bail me out? Yes or no? And if I, if you can't say that about me and I can't say that about you, then we probably aren't in the right spot. That's what Mark Montoya, I bet you does extremely well is that every single person on your team knows that if it's 2 a.m., he's probably going to come bail him out. Yeah. Right. And, and they would do the same exact thing for him. And that on on top of being a fantastic technical coach is what allows him to propel everybody forward. But I mean, a lot of it comes down to picking the right spot too. I feel like that's something that has been talked about a lot is you, you just find the gym that's closest to you. If you really want to propel as an athlete, if you really want to like reach the levels you have to reach if to be a champion, you have to find not just the best gym around you or the best coaching staff around you that can benefit you. You have to find the, the best coach for you, and you got to be willing to take risks, and you got to be willing to seek that out. Because so many people get stuck in, Oh, I'm, I'm living in fucking Alaska. I'm living in Anchorage, Alaska. I really like this coach, yada, yada. But if you want to be a UFC champion, maybe sometimes you got to venture outside of that. Maybe sometimes you don't, right? Like Max Holloway. Max Holloway yeah. found the perfect coaching staff for him. In Hawaii, he got to stay home, but I would say he's the minority, not the majority, because yeah. most people have to go find who's going to work for them and who's going to propel their career forward and learn from. Well, yeah, that's the tricky situation. Like personally, my, like
0: myself, training the most successful training blocks that I've had have been, you know, with training partners that have same similar goals as me. They have been that I consistently meet up at this time and we get to fucking work right it's it's the the consistency factor and the the accountability factor so i think that's where it's tricky if you're going to go it alone you have to be able to be self-aware enough to build this team for yourself right but then you can't just be people that you like to be around or like what i was talking about earlier you can't just be likes it's got to be intentional work and this and that and i think once you get to a certain level in the ufc you definitely should curate your training to yourself exclusively, mm-hmm. um, which again, takes a lot of awareness. But in the beginning stages, I think the setting is going to more dictate um, how you develop and who you are, like the team that you're on, the training partners you have in your regional and your your pro- professional, like beginning of your professional career. It's the setting first. As you see more success, as you need more individualization, as you get to the uh, top, the higher tiers, then it's more You determine the training setting, if that makes sense. So those things kind of go inverse in my head, at least. I think that's what I've seen is the best way to develop MMA fighters is like, first, you got to get your shit rocked a little bit. You you got to be tough before you're good. Right. right? You got to figure out the setting. You got to show up to all the practices, even though you feel like dog shit, you got to get beat up a little bit as you develop. Then it's more like, okay, what do I specifically need? I don't necessarily need to beat the shit out of myself when I'm, you know, in the UFC or trying to win certain fights. That's I need to work on this specific technical skill and figure out what's my optimal training workload. Then mm-hmm. I got to figure out what's best for me.
1: Well, it's cool because it it honestly directly parallels some strength and conditioning, right? You typically have to build capacity before you build efficiency. It's the exact same thing. You have to learn how to be tough. You got to get beaten to the ground. You have to go through those grinder practices with 50 people in a room and just get new partners that are constantly just breaking you before A, you deserve, or B, you really need individualized practices focused right right around you. Not everybody, it, it takes you being at a certain point to where that's actually going to benefit you. And I don't think enough people realize that. Everybody wants the quote unquote super camp that's built around them. But if you're not ready for it, it's not going to help you, it's a right? Waste the time, yeah. Some people just need, like if if you're three, 0 typically you probably should still just be grinding with the team and yeah. going through rep after rep after rep because drillers make killers. Then eventually when you're in the UFC, if you're top 15, then you really need to tailor around, Hey, this guy in front of me is going to be doing this yeah these coaches I need to bring into my corner to help me prepare for what this guy is doing in front of me, but if you're not even in the u f c yet i would I would argue or Bellator or what have you a major promotion i would I would argue that you probably just need to be grinding and keep going and keep going because reps are invaluable. you need those yeah. you don't need individual attention
0: yeah i a hundred percent agree and and yeah it, it, that's a great point you made relating it back to like a strength and conditioning principle, which is you know general before specific. Right. Um, but no, I think that's huge. And I think finding the place that fits your personality best is huge as well. Um, find somebody that has a skill set that you don't have or a skill set yeah. that can enhance yours. You know, I see that mistake being made all the time, whether it's we go to somebody that has an exclusively different skill set or we do the confirmation bias thing where we go to somebody who exclusively does what we do. Right. So it's like, what's your avenue to success? And that's like, um, that's truly your role of your head coach is like to find that avenue for you. And that's why you need to have some, so much trust in somebody like that. Or I think you're going to say you can take it on yourself and make that yeah. decision. But, um, what's the avenue to success? Cause I mean, we make or like individual fighters make that dis- mistake all the time is like, all right, now I need to be a striker. It's like, yeah. No, you should the wrestler some. that
1: falls in love with their hands,
0: <laughs> like you should okay. add some striking to your arsenal, yep, let's stick with your superpower,
1: right, or even even as a coach, right It's sometimes we go in waves, we think cage wrestling yeah. is more popular, so we just focus on cage wrestling. We think open mat wrestling is more popular, so we focus on open mat wrestling, yeah, but yeah. again, I feel like I say full circle on this podcast a lot, bringing it full circle if you have a step by step process, if you have a system, if you're able to think about things systematically then you're going to know that everything has to be taught. (laughs) You can't just focus on one thing at one point in time, focus on another thing at another point in time. That's typically not how you grow. If you keep going after weaknesses or trends, you're not actually going to progress. You're going to be always be behind. If you're the one setting the pace, if you're the one with the system, if you're the one like, Hey, if you come to X gym, my fighters are, they're known for this. This is what we're good at. If you're setting the tone, like that's what City Kickboxing did. Honestly, mm-hmm. that's really what they did is, is they're amazing strikers that have great defensive wrestling. And if it goes to the ground, they're going to be able to get themselves up. That's what they do, right? Yep. Outside of Volk, who really wasn't at that gym until now, who he's a little bit different. He's got a little wrestler to him. But you think Dan hangman hangman hooker, you think Israel Adesanya, you think um uh Brad Brad Riddell, you think what's the Kaikara France is who I was thinking of. You think yeah, of all yeah. those guys, great strikers, great defensive wrestling, and they know they can beat you at the positions that they always train. Yeah. And that I feel like too many people try to trace chase trends versus setting them. Yeah, that's legit. That's significant. Um, so, what are some of the things that you do at
0: Warriors vs. Wellness in your own gym, Austin, um, to promote this like this consistency or this culture that? That has little to do with the technical rehabilitation, technical strength and conditioning aspects.
1: Yeah. Well, um, first of all, we always, I have a consult, like something that I don't feel like a lot of people do is I have a consult that's focused on both healthcare and strength and conditioning. I have my own thing that I go through. I can check out the tissue quality, all these X, Y, and Z things, right? The other stuff is that when my fighters come in, they know exactly what intensity the workouts are going to be. For, for the most part, within a range, right? If if I sat down and did an entire calendar with you, you know that if you come in on this day, it's going to be either a metabolic or a strength day. It's going to follow a trend of programming. And from there, you're going to be focusing on these trends over the given four to six week period. So it's it's you're not coming in freaking out and being like, oh, I just had sparring day. Well, now I'm going to have a 10 out of 10 practice, which again is, I feel like something underrated is just managing workload. Uh, And then on top of that is I always try to focus on technical proficiencies before I focus on um, actually the opposite of what we were talking about before, but in a different setting is I focus on technical proficiencies, focusing on proper breathing mechanics, focusing on trunk stability, focusing on the little things that are going to make, I think make a bigger difference once we start adding load on top. So I'm always functional capacity before absolute capacity.
0: Well, yeah. And I think the difference there is just the scale of things on a macro scale. We're grinding, getting better always, right? In that early professional career, that's your overall arch is your grinding. When we get to the micro approach, like as far as a single exercise, like you're talking about, or in the individual workout, we still mm-hmm. have to hit the micro points spot on.
1: Right. Exactly. So like a, a lot of my guys, I'm, I've talked ad nauseum about DNS on here, but I go through DNS progressions with them to start. We do very similar warm-up exercises, even if they're different between the person, we do a similar exercise structure where it's an upper body, a lower body, a spine, a total body, and some sort of something that's going to elevate your heart rate. That is a consistent warm-up that we know that you can go do before your fight to try to make sure that you maintain that same level of comfort, getting into getting into the essentially the competition phase, um, mm-hmm. and then the other thing that we always focus on is uh, is like I said, honesty, trust, those types of stuff it's Mm -hmm. that is built into my protocols. Those are built in checkpoints where I'm always checking up on my athletes as much as I can. Um, and then making sure that they understand why they're doing everything they're doing. That's another thing that I'm major on is that I will, I'll sit there. I've, (laughs) I've sat there for seven to eight minutes at a time explaining why you're doing it. Cause they need to know. I probably over explain sometimes, but it's extremely important to any athlete coming through Warrior Sports Wellness that they know exactly what they're doing and why they're doing it, because I think that makes a bigger impact on you retaining the exercise, retaining the knowledge that you get, and then going and doing it on your own, like a daily mobility that I give to all my athletes. They need to be able to go do that and understand why they're doing it before their grappling sessions and why they're doing a separate one before their striking sessions. Yeah.
0: And that's a very similar point that our our guest last week hit on hugely. And it's like, it's it's up to the athlete too, to be interested in that stuff, not in a sense of like questioning you, like, I don't want to do this work. Why? But uh, in a sense of like, how is this going to make me better? Mm-hmm. What role does this play in my overarching development? Which I think are huge. I think that's in, in, invaluable to continually offer the why, and it solidifies you and validates you as a coach too. You know, sure. because I guarantee you, there's coaches out there that I say, "All right, why are we doing this drill?" And they're going to say, "Because that's what I did when I fighter," or "Because yep. these guys need to work hard." Which right,
1: and that's it's a waste of everybody's time.
0: right right 100 percent. so no i think the the daily check-ins or or semi-weekly or whatever check-in points that you're making are huge the explaining the context is huge and then i think just the the banter the the you know inner workout um joking around and general you
1: know awesome personality that you have austin is important too because i'm such a chatty kathy (laughs) <laughs> um outside of this podcast guys I don't talk a whole bunch. I'm I'm not the most social. So that's the yeah. honestly that's the one thing that I've had to get a lot better at is the the yeah. small talk cuz I'm I'm not built for small talk. <laughs> Dude, that's one thing that I've noticed this
0: podcast has actually drawn out of me is yeah. is just being a better conversationalist in general, which I think is huge um in terms of building relationships with fighters or even just like being able to network with somebody that you meet and yep. it is Crazy, so being able to like, carry a conversation and like I don't know our guys for Factory X, like we have our one thirty afternoon session. Like some of the guys show up at one because they're coming from practice, so not that far of a commute. Like I'll stand there for thirty minutes and just shoot shit with these guys, talk to them about their life. What what business are they running other than their fighting career? What what's going on? Did they just buy a house? What's the next you know big event they're looking for? Okay, they're out of camp, so what's their main goals in this this out of camp training phase? Like. That's where you can mine for some gold as a strength yep. coach, not even like, um, and you can do it pretty um, involuntarily. Like, I'm not going into this conversation. It's like, all right, I got to talk to this guy, get to know him so I can figure out some things about his training goals. Yeah. Like, no, no, it's like, let, let me just
1: fucking weird.
0: Right. Let me just talk to this. <laughs> let me, let me go talk to one of my friends that I train or that I train with, and then I can figure out where he's at in his life and career. Because I like, I'll tell you one person that I train, like, If I didn't have these conversations about just his outside life, I would be 100% lost in his workload. You know, Mm -hmm. he's training full-time as a professional fighter, doing our our 10 to noon practices every day, hitting strength and conditioning two, three times a week, uh, doing extra drilling classes. At the same time, he owns and manages his own restaurant. So he's up till 11 midnight weekends, one, two, closing that that shop. And then he's at training at 10 a.m., right? So like, I'd be a fool to not, Factor that into his overall recovery score, his workload management is like, there's a reason that every time he comes back to training, his low back starts to flare up. It's just, he's, Mm -hmm. he, he can't, he's not adapting to the workload very well because he's not hitting his rest. He's not hitting his sleep. He's not hitting this. He's, he's maintaining a balance in his life. And he gets there and he dabs almost every training crap. But now it's like, all right, let's work on these outside factors where we don't take four or six weeks off. Right. And then we don't have to go through this reacclimation uh, period every fight. So, um, and that's again, shit you learn just by knowing somebody rather than should you learn by having an intake form or, or trying to just guesstimate what most of these guys' schedule is. Go ahead. That's it. <laughs> You're all right. But yeah, I think that's. Uh, All I wanted to get at as far as um, creating the right context for training and your individuals, creating the right consistency factors and and maybe even changing or shifting some of your KPIs and performance. You know, some people say getting to the workout or showing up is half the battle. And truly, sometimes it is right. like Get your athletes to training. And it's a lot easier if you have a context that your athletes know is meaningful or know is fun or know is going to be productive work versus just work right Mm -hmm. you know that's when fighters kind of get dead in the water is when they they start looking at practice like a job you know no fighter is going to survive in this game if they're looking at it like a a day job right Mm -hmm. they're going to make it for their passion they're going to make it for the work but once this is just a job just a paycheck most guys are out right because it's a high cost so long story short Make sure you got the right setting with your athletes when they come to train. Make sure you know that they're working towards something, not just working period. And uh, continue to bring your breast every day. Um, this has been building fighter. You know, you can look at our website. What did you just say? What? Continue to bring your breast. You're a slut. <laughs> See, you prompt me, and then you pull up all my all my uh, exploits or my mistakes. So,
1: <laughs> oh, continue to be your best, folks dr austin shane shut the fuck up alex friedman and we are out